0: Hello, and welcome to episode number 277 of Smart Podcast Trashy Books. I am Sarah Wendell from Smart Bitches Trashy Books. With me this week is author Sonali Dev. Sonali is here to talk about her new book, and I have some extremely tempting words in a very tempting order. Are you ready? Her book is A Retelling of Rapunzel Set in Mumbai. Yes, you're curious, right? Okay. These are all good words. Her latest book is A Distant Heart. It comes out on December 26th, and we talk about the story, the angst level, and how these two characters came to be. We also talk about common elements between this book and her last book, A Change of Heart, and what she's working on right now. There's a great odd moment where I misread the cover art immensely, but apparently I'm not alone in that misreading, so I'm sort of relieved, and it is a gorgeous cover too. Plus, as always, we talk about what she's reading, and she has lots of recommendations. If you have ideas or questions or suggestions or you want me to ask somebody some questions on your behalf, this is an awesome plan. You should email me. Sound good? Okay. sbjpodcast at gmail.com or sarah with an h at trashybooks.com. They both get to me at the same place. So yeah, totally email me. You could also record a voice memo because you're going to sound great because you sound awesome. You can email me that if you want to just record a message. That also works. You should totally do that, by the way. You're going to sound terrific. But my point is, you sound great and I want to hear from you. So please email me if you've got questions, ideas or suggestions. Now, I have more exciting words that I'm really delighted to say in this intro. Um, This week's sponsor copy, I get to say some really awesome things. Plus, I'm going to tell you about the books in this anthology and um, hello, catnip alert. This is just a whole intro of catnip, I think. All right. I will now attempt to be somewhat professional, which is not what you want, I know. Oh, great. And the cat is here. Chance of cat, 80%. Okay. Okay. I'm going to move my equipment around so Orville can flop over just in time for the sponsor. Nice one. Nice leisurely flop. Okay. Now, are you ready? Okay. This episode is brought to you by Christmas with My Cowboy by Diana Palmer, Lindsay McKenna, and Margaret Way. This is where it gets good. Get your jingle boots on. With this sexy and heartwarming Christmas anthology from best-selling authors Diana Palmer, Lindsay McKenna, and Margaret Way, featuring three irresistible cowboys in Christmas with my cowboy. Jingle boots! I love this so much. From the snowy, wind-whipped prairie to the remote Australian outback, a cowboy's loving kiss makes this Christmas merry and bright. The warmth and joy of Christmas will be combined in these stories with vibrant ranch settings, alpha heroes being tamed by plucky, adventurous heroines because tis the season for romance with Christmas with my cowboy. Available everywhere books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. Now, typically, uh, you'll see the copy, the cover copy for the book with the rest of the information about the sponsor book in the podcast entry at smartpitchestrashybooks.com slash podcast. But I want to share with you some of the details about these uh, short story novellas because, uh, yeah, you want to know about this. So the first one is the Snowman by Diana Palmer, and this is the description: Meadow Dawson needs Santa to deliver a solution to her management of the Colorado ranch she has inherited. Cattleman Dal Blake just wants his pretty neighbor's dog to quit digging under his fence. I, I, I okay, I could, I am entirely understanding of this cattleman's problem. I also want the dog to stop digging under a fence, although it's my dog and my fence. The second one, Cassie's Cowboy, lent by Lindsay McKenna, finds. A solitary former Marine rancher discovering his childhood sweetheart injured in her car just beyond the ranch during a snowstorm. Woohoo! They're stuck in the snow. It's a si- snowy, silent night. I love it. I love this. This is my favorite trope: stuck in the snow because it's not perilous as long as you've got like you know blankets and water in the toilet works. You're okay. And the final one is *Her Outback Husband* by Margaret Way. Scott and Darcy MacArthur were the perfect couple. And then with one rumor, it ended in heartbreak. But Scott's mother has a scheme that will reunite them in the outback for a holiday that will prove it's the season for forgiveness. I love when the mom is like, I'm going to fix this as opposed to I'm going to break them up, which is so often the, the other story that you would hear. OK, so that is Christmas with my cowboy. And I want to thank Kensington Books for um, not only sponsoring this episode, but get letting me say the words jingle boots, because that has just made my day. I do not have a transcript sponsor for this episode. Will there be a transcript? Of course there will, because y'all are awesome. And I have news about Patreon. Now, I'm gonna roll up my sleeves. You may have heard that they were changing their fee structure. Um, They made a big announcement they were going to start charging the fee for transactions, which usually is what I would pay as the creator, and passing that fee back to the people who make individual pledges. And this was a terrible idea because this meant that people who pledged a dollar or $3, and there were very many of you, had an extra 30% added to your pledge. And that's not what you wanted and that's not what I wanted either. Sounds terrible. As a result of that change, a number of you have canceled your pledges. And I just want you to know that I understand. I understand completely. I am so sorry about this change that Patreon had announced. But right before I sat down to record, which never happens, usually big things happen after I've done the production, Patreon has heard you and me and everyone else and they are not going to change the fee structure. I have a link to their post about it. Basically, it says, we messed up and we're sorry. Yes, you did. And I'm glad you are. So Patreon is not going to be changing the fee structure to pass the transaction fees on to people who make pledges. And it seems that they are listening to the fact that the burden of the fee was much, much higher on pledges of a dollar or $3. And there were many of you. So Thank you, thank you, thank you, Patreon, for not doing the change that I thought was terrible. And if you reduced or eliminated your pledge, please know that I understand. A number of you have asked me for alternate methods, and I'm going to be working on that soon if you would like to support the show. The music you're listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. I'll have information, plus links, and books and everything. But now I think I've talked enough. Let's do this podcast.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Sonali Dev, and as as you can tell, I interrupt a lot, and I have no basic conversation skills, but I do write. <laughs> <laughs> I I do write uh, Bollywood style love stories. Um, so basically, um, socially conscious romance um, that um, borders on women's fiction, I think, would be the way to describe it. Um, does that sound right,
0: Sarah? That does sound right. I've never heard you describe your books as socially conscious. That's really cool. How long have you been using that sort of descriptor? Or did somebody tell you that, that your books were too socially conscious and you were like, damn right they are?
1: <laughs> like three seconds. I was just I, – <laughs> I, I, <laughs> Well, that makes it sound, now this is going to be even harder <laughs> to sell books because that makes me sound like I'm preaching. Um, and and I'm really not. What I usually describe them as um, is um, me exploring women's issues from around the world uh, while still indulging my faith in a happily ever after. So I love this plan. <laughs>
0: this is a great plan. Don't let <laughs> anyone stop about- you with stupid labels. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So they're about me then that's just my, you know, because I believe in a happily ever after completely. But um, but I'm also uh, completely, you know, punched in the gut by a lot of stuff that um, people face around the world and especially women, I think. And so
0: that's what my books are about. Brilliant. Now You have a new book out. This is the have, worst question to ask any author. So tell tell us everything about your book. You can just start reading in chapter one and keep going until you finish. I'm kidding. And, and I would actually
1: do this. because I have writer friends who hate doing readings. And it's, I mean, I'll tell you, it's my favorite thing to do. Really? I actually, yeah, I could bore you to death. I would read my entire book to you if you let me. I love doing readings. It's just, I, I used to not always be like that. But I think once I kind of because I read them um aloud to myself for the mm-hmm. cadence and you know, um I think you just make more sense if you're pretending to read to someone else because you always make sense when you're talking to yourself. I don't know if that happens to everyone. No I, you know, I never argue with myself. I'm like, Oh you're brilliant <laughs> <laughs> But Yeah, that's see, that's you really know. funny. <laughs> but when I'm reading it as though I'm reading it to someone um, and I'm being my own audience who is not me, uh, a lot of things become clearer. So it's not just the cadence and uh, the prose, but but what I'm saying and what the characters are saying actually um, makes sense or doesn't make sense in a different way. So I do always read uh, my books aloud. Um, once they're complete. So that's my last thing I do in revision is read them aloud. And, um, and I read them actually like dramatically. I read them with accents and voices and, you know, um, and so that just, and I love doing it. So I kind of, when I used to be nervous about, um, reading to people, um, that's what I kind of told myself is that this is exactly what I'm doing now. There's real people listening, and I I totally ham it up. I love it. So so I would actually read my book to you without. <laughs> you I don't am, have to ask me twice. So beware.
0: <laughs> I am seriously hoping that maybe you would read some of it, like right now, like tell about it, and then read a couple pages from the beginning because this sounds so amazing, and I cannot. I would love to hear this. Like you should sell tickets. <laughs> I do
1: actually. Sometimes I think.
0: Or someone does. uh, You totally should. So tell us about the book and then please read some. Please. All right. right. I will ask you more than twice.
1: (laughs) You don't have to. All right. So uh, it's not out yet. Uh, It comes out uh, December 26th. So I think it's considered a 2018 book. And it's called A Distant Heart. And um, amazingly enough, it is a Bollywood-style retelling of Rapunzel. Uh, I guess would be the best way for me to describe it, um, and I think that the um, that the theme really is uh, this whole overprotection of women in society. I think that's the theme of Rapunzel, and that's what I mean by that retelling. But um, but there's uh, there's a more um, concrete form given to it because this is the story of uh, Kimmy, who is. Um, um, at the age of twelve, diagnosed with a rare form of um, aplastic anemia, so she's basically and she lives in mumbai um, and For anyone who's not um, been to Mumbai, it isn't the best place in the world uh, to have any kind of immune deficiency. I mean if you need something in Mumbai, you need uh, your immunity so um, she lives in Mumbai and she's locked up in um, a sterile room for twelve years. Wow and rahul the hero is a servant in the home. Um, and it's a little more complicated than that, but he basically, um, you know, comes into the house, um, um, to do his job. And so for 12 years, um, he's the only friend she has. He's, uh, her eyes uh, to the outside world and they develop this uh, friendship across that plastic curtain. And then, uh, 12 years later, uh, uh cure comes and, um, they have to find their way. She has to find her way in the real world because living in her uh, little bubble, she's still kind of been very much in the world because of technology, but she has to, um, you know, but it's still been, um, you know, a a view through a window. And then it's her finding her way through the real world, but it's really them um, finding their way across everything that separates them, I think, in society. that was not there in that closed room. So that's basically uh, what it is. And of course, there's also a crime plot because he's a cop now and he's protecting her (laughs) from this crazy gang lord. So there's that angle to it also.
0: But this is a book that deals with organ black black market organ transplant. I have a bunch of questions about that. But this book is connected to a change of heart, but you don't have to read a change of heart to read this book. Is that right?
1: You don't have to. Um, naturally, you know. I mean, it it would only add to the experience. So they are both standalone stories, but they're very much connected. Uh, they are almost two sides of the same story, in a way, uh, because they center around that same organ black market ring. Um, and and the gang lord is uh, you know is the is basically the same um, uh, the same person who was run who runs the who who steals basically kills people to steal their organs. Oh, um, that's what you know. Yeah, that's what the black market organ <laughs> black market means. So no, so yes, it is. Uh, it, it's centered around that. Amazingly enough, uh, with that dark core, it is not as dark of a book as A Change of Heart. And, and the reason I think for that is that Kimmy, as a, a protagonist, is a much more optimistic, choosing to be happy, let me at the world kind of heroine. So the tone of the book is different.
0: Now I am very curious. What led you to write about black market organ, or the, the black market around organs? Like what led what led you to read, write write about that twice?
1: Um, so the twice thing is actually an easier question to answer. It's just that the story had these two love stories, mm-hmm. you know, that, that kind of, um, were seated in this um, in this story of the black market ring so that was natural enough it wasn't like I said oh this is so exciting that I want to write two books about it but it was that these two these four people were all connected to it and so there were these two stories uh, that I wanted to tell mm-hmm. so that's why the two now how the black market actually came along um, is so so I started after I had written Bollywood bride um, started to write so so a change of heart was actually supposed to be um prequel almost to Bollywood Bride so it was going to be so Nikhil and Jen are two doctors without borders doctors who are who get married in Bollywood Bride and I was uh I sat down to write their story because they met uh you know they have this whole story where they met um on mission in Afghanistan and how they met and all of that and that's that's what I started to write but um once I started to write them, they were characters who basically put themselves in danger all the time for their cause. Um, and um, just as a matter of course, with them putting themselves in that kind of danger over and over again, um, this just happened. I, I have no other way to explain it except to say that it just um it it just happened jen was working at a clinic in the slum uh in mumbai it's called Dharavi it's one of the biggest um you know one of the biggest undocumented um slums in the world and well the slum is not undocumented but the people who live there are and um and she's working in a clinic there and she chances upon this um this weird stuff going on around her uh patients where you know people are going missing and um and she's been working on an organ donor registry um and it it, it kind of she chances upon this black market and then she is Warned off, and she doesn't listen, and then she's murdered before Nikhil's eyes, and this literally just happened as I was writing, and then I was completely stumped, and for six months I kind of didn't write because I had no idea what.
0: What to do, do I do now that my heroine has died?
1: Has died, and and I think a little bit of that came from the fact that um you know we write happily ever after, right, and um and and we know I mean a part of us knows that there is that and a part of us knows that there is not always that. It's not that simple. And I think that um, as a writer, as a person, um, you know, um, as a mom and a wife, I think that that whole wanting to see what really uh, happens if we believe all our lives in something. And in a moment it's gone, what happens? And I think change of heart for me was that, that we talk about hope and we, you know, in romance, especially we talk about hope and love. And then what happens after that book closes and if that goes away what happens and that was kind of i think that mixed with um with what happened to jen uh, was where change of heart came from so it wasn't um amazingly enough it wasn't that um the black market spawned these stories but it was almost like these stories led into you know into that particular social evil because she's working in a place so rife with social right. evil
0: And she's doing a very small amount of good each day to try to counteract an enormous amount of evil.
1: Exactly. And both of them are, and that's Nick Hill's angle, that's the hero's angle, that he believes so wholly in it, and then when it's gone so violently, it goes away. Like he stops believing in it overnight right right? so when the book starts it's like he's lost something he totally believes he's lost everything he totally believes in and it's that journey back from right
0: because at that point in that book his 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 grief is very much mired in the idea of well what's the point i have no point now
1: yeah this is all bullshit you know what yeah. they tell us is all wrong and all of that what he's you know uh, been taught all his life is wrong but you know i just remember, remembered uh, it, it the, you asked me why these two stories so weirdly enough what was going to happen and um you know uh, with Mikhil's story was that kimmy was the heroine uh of for him that i had because he's lost everything and kimmy's the one who actually um you know, oh gosh, spoiler alert! Can I do spoilers? So, so Kimmy has is a heart transplant recipient, and she was going to be the one who uh, got Jen's heart, and uh, so that was going to be the story. The the you know it was going to be a love story between the girl who got his wife's heart and you know his lo- losing right. his wife. So that's kind of where this started. But he is from a very loving. Very privileged family, um, so so he's basically in my mind. He's um, his his cracks are surface cracks. So all of this is so he's pretty solid on the inside. He's basically just having a meltdown um, and unable to deal with this this darkness that happened to him, right? So so he's uh, he's not really broken on the inside, if you know what I mean, um, because he's he's had. He's had this great upbringing. He has the foundation, and Kimmy is like that too. Despite all of this awful stuff that happens to her, she, on the inside, is not broken. She's been, you know, I mean, her. Everybody around her and her entire world revolves around keeping her safe and alive. In fact, she calls it she calls it Project Kaka in in the book and it's keep ailing Kimmy alive it's an acronym for that so what is basically focused on project Kaka.
0: do you know that caca in Spanish is like a colloquial term for poop yes.
1: <laughs> it is it is in uh in now I don't know which exact Indian language it's but uh, we we say more <laughs> kaka, but, but uh, it's the poop, same thing. It's yes.
0: universal. We
1: call it the same thing. So it's Project <laughs> Poop and it's saving him alive. Nice. So so she is. Um, she's basically also, and that gives you an idea that she's not really broken on the inside. She has some tough challenges, but she's not. So then I had these two characters who were you know basically um not broken on the inside and for for nick hill to come out of something that dark um i felt like when you know when i had them on the paper that there was you know there there was nothing to pull him out of his darkness um really and and that's where and and jess was actually you know just a side character and um you know who they use um who the villain is using and she was the one who was dark enough for him to realize, you know, that he's being a baby almost. And so he had to have something darker to pull him back toward his own brightness. Yes, Does that make sense? And that's kind of how those two stories then split out. I had Kimmy and she was this fabulous, vibrant character who had a story, but she was not the heroine for him. And then I had to go and tell her story and kind of Rahul was, um, was there.
0: So that's a very long drawn out answer to your simple. No, question. it's a really interesting answer. So ended up with a character who was just not the right fit for him, and so she got her own hero in a different book. So, what led you yeah. to the black market for transplant organs? Is that something that you read about or that you that you saw when you were doing research? How it's so interesting because. It's both completely evil and yet there are people who are desperate for organs.
1: Yes, and, um, and a few things. Actually, um, I think many, many years ago, I remember from when I was very young, I remember seeing news stories about it, uh, especially things like kidney theft and stuff. Um, I think it was pretty common to see news stories about it, at least in India it was. And I remember almost uh, 20 years ago, even here, there was, uh, you know, there was, I don't know if it was just Oh, right. Where
0: you wake up stories, in a bathtub, bathtub full of ice accident. and your one of your kidneys is gone. Yes. Yes. yes.
1: yes. Yes. So there was a lot of that kind of thing. And I think, you know, that combined with stories about organ black market rings that I had read growing up and all of that, I knew it was a thing. And it feels almost to me like it is as evil a thing as you can do. Right. I mean, it's the theft itself is is, is a really evil because you're basically it's it's as violating as anything. You're taking away what is not yours and is someone else's, right? I mean it, it seems like it's at the heart of everything. Colonization is theft and slavery is theft at different levels. But almost all crime seems to have this taking what does not belong to you. Um it, you know seems to me the greatest violence, right? And so take that to something like A a body part just makes it, um, I I can't think of anything almost more evil than that, right, to take without permission. And then when you add uh, pathos to it, because there's also a lot of stories where people will, um, you know, you're poor enough and you sell it, it becomes Mm -hmm. a currency. So it's, you know, there's a lot uh, going on 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 the darker side of it, but on the brighter side of it, organ donation. And I have one of my closest friends actually works um, for um, a non-profit, that works with, um, with donors. I think it's gift of life um, in Michigan and they do some amazing work. So there was her telling, you know, her stories of the lovely work they do. And, and I think all of that combined, it just kind of plays on your subconscious and then that's, and it comes up when you tell
0: stories. I think that's where it's. And it's, it's a, you have people who are, who are stealing organs or, or selling them but that organ is going into someone else so that they can live. So it's like a terrible happy ending yes. for one person and a terrible ending for someone else that's very unhappy. Yes, I can see why this would be really alluring to write about. How is this the heart of the book no pun intended?
1: <laughs> I love the pun if it were intended. But um yes, yeah, so I think another thing that I deal with a lot in my books yes. is families and um Parental love, um, and, and the things that we will do, um, for our children and those we love. And, um, and basically the entire book is about, you know, what does love mean? Because Kimmy's backstory is that, um, Her parents, uh, who are both uh, very successful. Her father is the chief minister of one of the states in India. uh, So he's extremely politically powerful. He was uh, a huge Bollywood superstar. Her mother was a big star. So she comes from great amounts of privilege and success. And even back before that they come from uh you know sugarcane farming so there's this big history of there's this long familial history of uh of um you know wealth and excess and privilege and um and despite that so that these are people who are not right, used and, to not having their and wedding. they can't fix oh, this. I'm talking about her parents and and well, they've had, uh, and they very, they both also have uh, backstories for which they really mm-hmm. badly want fa- want a family. And um, oh, him, her mother has seven miscarriages; she's unable to carry a child to term. So really, they they are like they will do anything. It is there's this whole, you know, they've they've done pilgrimages to every holy site and every religion. Like they will do. Anything, every treatment. And that's basically how she is conceived and born. Um, so so there's so her her very mm-hmm. life has started like that, where it's we will do anything for this child, anything. And and when we say that about loved ones, what does that mean? Is why this is you know is the heart mm-hmm. of the story. What do, what does that mean? Um, when you say that I will do anything for you? Will you, you know, um will you let someone else die? Um, and and basically, that's the question, and, um, and and that's the that's the ending question between Rahul and her father, also, and um, also again, spoiler alert. But um, but but she learns through the course of the book that you know what the meaning of love is, and uh, you know, and sometimes it's not. Uh, it, it's uh, it's knowing where to right. draw the line and living in today, right, and um, being okay with the fact that this person is here today. Because life and death is just part of
0: life. And it's also an incredible amount of, uh, I want to say, gender expectation sort of built into the idea that if you have uh, a woman whose child is being threatened, then most of the time that story is portrayed as that woman can do whatever she needs to protect her child. Like, it's all going to be, in the eyes of the audience, redeemable and forgivable because that's, you know, that's her... That's her expected role, to sacrifice everything for her child, if you're a woman. And that sort of gets extended to fathers, too, more and more. What will you do for your child? Will you kill another person? And is it okay because you have this altruistic end point? It it, it, it makes it a very difficult redemption story.
1: Absolutely. And, and uh, her parents both, when she gets, so A, when they have her, how they react to right. finally... Getting what they wanted, um, and how they react to then being the threat—this constant looming threat of losing her because she's so sick—and um, and you know there's so little hope um, for a cure. The way the mother and the father deal with it right. is completely different, and that's a large part of the book. Um, and and you're very right. Um, there's a, it's it's a very gender yes. specific what they choose to do, um, and uh, it, yeah. And I had never thought of that that way, but it's um, it's absolutely true. I mean, I think uh, I had also never thought of in an Indian family, um, you know, this is a daughter and it really does not matter to them because this is a child. So that I think was a little bit uh, conscious, but the fact that the, the two parents, um, basically, um, you know, their journeys in how they handle uh, that loss and that threat to their child is completely different.
0: Now, you mentioned earlier that this was not as dark and angsty as a change of heart, um, partially it seems because kimmy is a very positive person so does she and and her romance Absolutely. are they more uplifting is it, it it sounds like it has this incredibly emotional core with really positive and optimistic characters carrying the story does that sound about right
1: I think so. I think absolutely. Okay, good, and <laughs> thank you. <laughs> but but I, I would not say it's not angsty because all my stories are angsty, right? I mean, angst is I think the heart of romance for me. <laughs> it's like it, you know. So so definitely angsty, and Rahul uh, is definitely a you know uh, has um, some dark uh, issues going on, but it's not. Um, it's not not dark in the way change of heart is uh, because you're exactly right. Jess is basically in her own mind, a ruined character. She's completely broken. And, um, and she, she's okay with that at this point in the book. She has no, I mean, at, at when change of heart happens, she has no choice, but to Mm -hmm. go with it. You know, I'm broken, but I've got to be present. And that's just the way the world is. Um, Kimmy is the exact opposite of that, right? Kimmy is like, for one, she's been waiting all her life to live. So she has this voracious appetite mm-hmm. for living when she gets out, when she's in there. Because when she's in there, she's collecting, gathering all of this stuff up. Uh, you know, basically, she's gathering life up to the best of her ability sitting in a room. And then when she comes out, it's all this pressure mm-hmm. that's built up and she's. Completely promised herself that this is going to be for you know, she's going to live literally every second. So she has this amazing uh zest for life, and 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 she's um, you know, she's totally delightful and she's a clown and she sees you know, these everything is fabulous and she's excited by every little thing. She's excited by this little auto rickshaw, you know, (laughs) so she kind of wants to hug the doorman, like she's just thrilled with everything, and um. And, and I think that that spirit of hers has what has kept Rahul going through the time, you know, of his childhood, that things were really dark. Um, but, but it was something that he could shut up, like a book he could close when he left that, you know, when he left her mansion. But now when they're both out in the real world, he is, that's not his view of the world. And this is her view of the world. And... Um, And so, so there's that disconnect, but she's, um, you know, she's absolutely um, um, somebody who will not be put down. And that's absolutely the reason why, um, why it's not a dark book in that sense.
0: I wanted to ask you about the cover. You first showed me the cover of this book, I think a long time ago. I think we were, we were at an event together but I remember we did a signing at a bookstore, and I think you showed me a, a, a preview of the cover that it had just um, – you'd just gotten a picture of it. The cover is really evocative because she's sitting in this sort of pink um, gown that's all sort of bunched up around her her knees, and her feet are just about to touch the water. But she has ankle bracelets on that look very suggestive, like her ankles are bound together almost. Is that, is that imagery on purpose or am I reading too much into this? I'm reading too much in, Okay, right? I have
1: to say, <laughs>
0: no, you're not, but this
1: makes me laugh because, uh, because, okay, so anklets are a huge part of Indian culture. And, of course. Uh, and, and a part of the Indian dress. And they are considered very feminine and very demure. I have a theory. Um, I don't know if it's a proven theory but i think that women w- were you know anklets were put on women so you could follow their um, you know um follow the their movements around yeah around the house so it might have been but of course that's not what it, it is it has also then grown like all jewelry to have a sensual feminine you know of course fun aspect it's part of dancing it jingles when you know you dance so it's this um it's this um, it's the op- i will the, you know, bondage now, fe- female bondage in in knowing where your daughter or your ma- daughter-in-law is around the house is one thing, but it's really <laughs> funny how romance authors are, pro- I mean, romance readers are probably the only people who look at that cover and go, oh my gosh, is
0: it bondage? Those look like cuffs. <laughs> this is entirely my brain and my know, brain could just be being an offensive jerk. But it's, it's no, also the position no. of her legs. her legs are are like she's almost afraid to touch the water. No, it's not you. it's not just me. Oh, thank w- God.
1: What's weird is it's not just you. So many people have looked at that cover and said, are those, uh, <laughs> are those cuffs? And it always makes me laugh because it's like such a thing that no Indian person would think, eh? And, um, and it's so almost opposite to what anklets kind of stand for, but, and I know it sound like I'm contradicting myself with the... Uh, with the other bondage thing but, but it's but you know bondage isn't uh, is is a different thing in terms of uh, romance so it's it always uh makes me laugh but all the other parts of what you are saying I think are uh, absolutely on target because
0: um I'm like I feel like I should apologize for being an idiot
1: <laughs> no you're not being an idiot and you're you know I mean everybody looked at that and went are those cuffs and I was like are those what it did not even enter my mind, like not for a second that someone would think anklets are cuffs. But then when you look at it a certain way, it's like, yeah, you might be right. But I think what they were going for. So so when they did say to me that we're going, you know, we wanted not to be the henna right. and bangles and, you know, Bindi's kind of cover, I was actually excited because, um, because this book is my first book um, uh, that is set entirely in, India.
0: Oh, so
1: the entire book, in fact, is set in Mumbai, uh, in one suburb of Mumbai that I grew up in. There is a short trip they take, um, you know, to Hong Kong, but other than that, the book is entirely set in this um, in this one suburb, and there's a very strong reason for for it. But um, so, even though it is set in India, this is my least cultural book if you will and um I don't know if that makes sense but but so there's no weddings uh there's you know you're there it's like when you're in India it's almost um like uh, this migrant thing you almost have to not do Indian things because you're in India you know what I mean Mm -hmm. everything is is kind of Indian and um almost all of my friends and cousins in India don't really wear those many saris or sal- salwar kameezes this is just my little you know uh circle a- and they're amused that we still wear in mean, because here you're trying hard to hold on to culture right. in some ways and the first books being indian american you know there's a lot of there's some of that so this is the least cultural it's just a story in in that sense so so it would have been really weird to have henna and saris and you know bangles in this book because she never puts a sari on. She's you know never um, really thinking in those terms. Mm-hmm. There's no wedding going on, none of that. So it would have been really weird. So I was very very excited because it's just a story and it's uh, it's a very accessible story in my mind. Not that the others are not, mm-hmm. but. Uh, it would have been weird to have one of those covers for this one. So that made me very, uh, very excited. Um, and and I think also in terms of colors, they wanted this more women's fiction, uh, uh, contemporary kind of uh, feel to it, which is what those colors definitely do. Um, and I think that the the, the whole you know feet over water thing is about anticipation right when you know you're so close to the water but your feet are not in it that kind of thing so you're
0: absolutely right it's this. oh totally it's breaking through a boundary like the the surface tension of the water is similar to the plastic bowl that she lives in
1: exactly exactly so there is that you know if there's that it, it was meant to suggest yearning it was meant to suggest um needing to break free. So that's kind yes. of, you know, and, and the uh, cover artists always, I think um, atmospherically in all books do capture what um, this
0: is a means beautiful to cover. It's a really beautiful cover. Thank you. You know, it's interesting listening to you talking about um, the book being set entirely in in Mumbai with, I actually learned this in a really interesting marketing podcast um, that We as humans feel favorable towards things that are familiar and so if we see someone's face just even in passing in a crowd and then we see that person again, we will feel favorable positive associations with that person just because they look familiar and that works very much so in marketing Um, and it's one of the strongest arguments for example for uh, advertising the cover of your book. Like you can do a lot of imagery, but what you really want to do with with advertising a book is to reinforce the cover image so that when a reader sees that cover in a sea of book covers on a computer screen or in a bookshelf, it looks familiar. And that positive association drives them to pick up that book because they don't realize that it's familiar because they saw it on the sidebar of a really cool website called Smart Bitches. <laughs> but, but that familiarity breeds positive association.
1: But at the you're same absolutely time
0: right. yeah. but at the same time you have to when you're packaging this book you have to make that bridge between this is something uh unique and still unfortunately uh, unique in that it takes place outside of the united states in a contemporary setting in mumbai i don't i'm trying to think if i have read a romance set entirely i mean i've read some of your books and i've read other books that were set in Parts of India, but I don't think I've ever read one set in Mumbai. So you have to bridge that. Oh, this is something new and interesting and different. And at the same time, there is a familiar center, the heart, as we were talking about, the heart is the same. It's yeah, th- so that's I'll, really hard. It, it I empathize, is, is what I'm back. trying to say here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I don't mean to keep on interrupting you, but I know I'm going to forget to say this. So please um, do. So first um before I forget, Soleika Snyder has uh has I think almost an entire Bollywood series set uh in Mumbai. Uh so she has I'm trying to remember um
0: uh, the name Is it Bollywood so and the of, Beast? Is that one set in Bollywood Mumbai? And the,
1: Bollywood and the Beast is one of them. And uh there is oh my gosh, I'm gonna have to pull up my Kindle. Uh there is there's Bollywood and, and the Beast is not the only move, uh, only one. Um, oh gosh. Um, darn it. <laughs> Spice and worry. Secrets, I think Spice and Secrets is also set there. So she has a few books that are set, uh, set in Mumbai. So I don't want, want to act like I'm the only one. And that, that truly, uh, of the ones, um, published here, those are the, uh, you know, uh, that's those are the only ones that I have read. Uh, of course, there is a whole homegrown um, romance industry where the books are all set in India, of course. but um, but this one is, and you're absolutely right. I think um, that is um, that's the whole trick, right? in marketing or selling anything. Mm-hmm. and it's not just my kind of romance, but to be but to be un- unique and accessible at the exact same time. Right. Which is, uh, which is a tightrope walk because you don't want anyone walking away from it saying, um, this isn't for me. And, um, you know, you don't want anyone saying, oh my gosh, the same thing again right? Yep. So I most certainly don't have one of those problems, <laughs> but I do have, uh, the other problem. And that's always, um, you know, that's always a, um, a marketing challenge. And I, uh, you know, I, I'll take, um, the uniqueness has certainly served me well, so I won't complain that much no. about the other one because it's, you know, it's one step at a time, but I will say, um, that, you know, that while it's sad that we have to make these considerations, um, while, uh, selling, I haven't, I've been lucky enough to not have to make those considerations while writing yet. And I hope Oh that is a good
0: thing. You are right. <laughs> yes.
1: And I hope that I don't have to, and I have to tell you, uh, uh this little story about my editor. Um, and, um, it, it's, he's so amazing. Martin Biro at, uh, Kensington and we were in New York, um, having lunch. So we were walking from, I think from the Kensington offices to lunch And the day before that, I had just suddenly realized, oh my gosh, he doesn't know that this book is entirely, because this was, you know, contracted as part of a two book deal and he didn't really know what the book was about. And uh, I had spoken with my agent and said, oh my gosh, I don't think that. I've mentioned to Martin that this book is entirely set in Mumbai. Do you think it's something I should mention? And she kind of paused and said, um, yeah, I definitely think that's something you should run by him. And so we're walking and we're having a conversation and he's saying something to me. So imagine us kind of, you know, doing the brisk New York walk across the streets of house. And, and I say to him, oh, Martin, before I forget, um, I wanted to tell you that, um, I don't know if you know, but A Distant Heart is set entirely in Mumbai, and he kind of, you know, doesn't even pause. He goes, oh, yeah, that's great, and then goes back to talking about what he was talking about, which was such a fabulous moment in my life as a writer. Um it's just really hard to explain like he didn't even pause he didn't ask another question about it it was such a non issue to him he said oh that's fabulous and then he went on and he's been like that uh with you know across these four stories i whatever i wanted to write about he always had 100% faith in it so kensington never tried to you know do hit the marketing end uh, you know, hit me with a marketing stick at the writing end, and I think that's really, really been such a <laughs> gift. <laughs> so,
0: hit me with the mar- hit me with the marketing stick in the writing end. Yeah, but- is so evo- <laughs> you, know, do you, you know, you should be a writer because that's really evocative. I about <laughs> <it>. <laughs> but about um, it,
1: but so that was um, you know I totally consider myself um, blessed for being able to write whatever the heck I want to write and it doesn't um mm-hmm. you know it's not um I don't know I mean I'm um I the the setting um and the culture it's who I am it's not something that I can really plan so
0: right of course it, is there uh is there food in this book how much food are we talking about like on a scale of one to food porn where are we here
1: I think this one isn't that much about food and that's the other thing right I mean they're just uh you know nobody is cooking to hold on to their culture like we were doing right, in previous so that's, books. So it's there, they have, yep. um, there's, a, there's a whole lot of spice grinding going on. So there's that.
0: <laughs> that sounds quite suggestive and sexy. I am on board for that.
1: That's a little bit of false advertising. I don't know that it's that sexy, but I think it's a little bit uh, sexy maybe. <laughs> but, but I will say my next book, which doesn't come out for another year. Uh, he is a chef, and the entire book is. Oh, fun. shit. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so that one so is just that... all food. I, <laughs> I swear I gained 10 pounds just writing
0: that book, or maybe 20. <laughs> just oh.
1: like, oh my gosh, now I have to go eat a souffle.
0: Oh, no. Poor you. For research, too. <laughs> yes. That was actually one of my questions. What are you working on? What, what is next? Please tell me about this. What's this? What's this book? Mm, yes, food. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yes, completely, uh, I think, completely different, again, from um, these um, th- these first four. And this one is set in the, Bay, the San, San Francisco Bay Area, and it's about a politically ambitious Indian family that believes that their uh, oldest son is going to be the first Indian American president of the country. And uh, this series of books is set in um, during the gubernatorial campaign. His So it starts with him making the announcement and then it goes through these four books where um, you know through the election but that's just the backdrop of it and they are they happen to be Indian royals so this is a part of the Indian you know this is basically uh, an Indian royal family that's migrated to America so (laughs) so there's this whole uh, whole angle of wealth and privilege um, and social agenda running through it uh, a little bit because I think we read a lot of immigrant stories of how everyone is sad that they're an immigrant, so I wanted to talk about the other side of it, which is that it comes at least being an uh, you know, c- certain kind of immigrant comes also with some amount of privilege and success, and and whilst wh- while you're still an outsider and how you reconcile that, uh, if you wow. don't really feel like an outsider. So that's the that's the backdrop of the books. Um, but this first book is almost like a, a flipped around Pride and Prejudice. So she is, uh, she's the Mr. Darcy. So she is a neurosurgeon at Stanford, has, uh, never known, um, you know, wanting something and not getting it that whole, you know, um, complete, complete entitlement uh, kind of place that she's coming from. And that makes her arrogant and makes her see the world, you know, around her a little bit um, skewed. And he is a black British chef who was raised in Southall, England, uh, which is almost 98% Indian Punjabi. (laughs) So he has this really weird, what you see is not what you get um, kind of, person Mm -hmm. so he spins prejudice on its head almost because when you look at him everything you assign to him is not really what he is in any way um and he's here because she is treating his sister who's an artist and about to lose her eyesight and so his um he's pushing um trisha to do more than she wants to take more risks, that kind of thing. So it's almost this, um, this, this pressure on her, um, thinking she is all that,
0: and him thinking, uh, yeah,
1: you're not all that if you let my sister lose her eyesight, kind of thing. So um, there's and that.
0: She's yeah. the Elizabeth Bennet character.
1: He is the Elizabeth Bennet character. Excuse
0: me. She he is. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, she is the Darcy. So that's kind of. Um, that's kind of uh, been so much fun to write um, because it's it's um, it's much more family saga in the sense of we do get to really get inside of this family and um, and they um, it's an extended family. So there are four siblings and then two cousins. And um, it's it's um, um, basically, yeah, their stories.
0: Oh, when is when are those coming out or those do those have release dates or are those in progress right now?
1: Um, so I think that the first one, um, comes out either late 2018 or early 2019.
0: Wow. This is amazing.
1: Yes. And I'm really excited and it's sitting with my editor right now. So she might come back and say, oh my gosh, this is all crap. And I might have to rewrite it. <laughs> but are you, so are and, you
0: with a, are you with a new house now?
1: Yes. Uh, And this is, oh, these books are with a new house. They're with uh, William Morrow. So they're with Harper Collins. So new editor, new everything. So I'm excited.
0: That is very exciting. Congratulations.
1: Thank you so much.
0: I always ask this question. um, And I forgot to prepare you for it. So I'm a horrible person. But Uh what are you what have you read lately that you want to tell people about? What are some of the things that you've read that you want to make sure people know about?
1: Oh, that's a horrible person. You're not at all horrible. That's my favorite question. And do you have
0: another hour to go? (laughs) Go ahead. It's the internet. We haven't run out of room yet. Go ahead. (laughs) That's fabulous. Um, So I have to mention first,
1: um, Alicia, everything she writes, I love. But her new series, uh, The Hate to Want You, I always call it The Hate You Give, and then I have to go back and correct myself. So Hate to Want You (laughs) was fabulous. But Wrong to Need You,
0: have you read it yet? I have been saving it because it it comes out this month and I am afraid that if I read it too far in advance, since we're recording this in November, I'm afraid that if I read it too far in advance, I will start squeeing and um, well, people won't be able to buy it and they'll be mad. I, I want to read it so, so I'm, yeah, I think I have to just go ahead it's and do it. Delicious.
1: And uh, I mean, it, you know, I mean, I love the first one and the first one was really angsty and everything, but I think in terms of memorability of characters, which is always, um, which is always, uh, you know, for me, really, really important in, uh, in romance is, mm-hmm. uh, is how, how it, in how much detail I remember these books and um, and Jackson and uh, Sadia are just I think really really memorable because they're so real Uh, and it's it's my crack basically it's it's (laughs) it's just a hero who's loved the heroine for a very long time and
0: oh that is totally my my catnip too that That is is utterly my catnip
1: isn't it and and he is your perfect knight and Nice guy heroes are my other catnip. Um, You know, say what you will about alpha holes, they don't do anything for me. It's the good guys. It's the guys who care about the families and the
0: guys. You and me both, right? Dudes (laughs) who are relentlessly decent and kind and have just this. Oh yeah, yes. Everything
1: that's (gasps) relentlessly decent and kind, and
0: he's just fabulous.
1: And he's hot, and he's big, and he's just. (laughs) Right. <laughs> so, so and when he that.
0: showed up when he showed up yeah. in the middle of the instantly, night right? in, hey, to want you yes. I was like who yes. is this guy
1: yes. Yes. and you know I don't know how she did it but I was reading it and I did actually text her I said the next book better be about Jackson <laughs> I'm sorry. and I knew like there was no this thing but you knew instantly that the or I knew instantly something's that it was up, be there.
0: Oh, yeah, but, uh, up there oh yeah something's up there
1: Yeah, yeah. And it sure is. So it's, and it almost kind of, um, you know, had that same vibe um, as um, Kristen Higgins' uh, Next Best Thing. Remember the one in which he's, because he's her brother-in-law. So uh, there's, uh, you know, there's some of that same. And I had really enjoyed that book too. So so it kind of reminded me of that. It's just, they're both great books. And I really enjoyed uh, Jackson and Sadia's story, Wrong to Need You. And another one that I recently read. Um, so, so all these years I've been thinking I have not read um, m- enough Latino romance, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, this um, this fall we had "Take the Lead" by Alexis Daria. Did you read that one?
0: Because I have not
1: oh my gosh she is so talented i would totally watch out for her she's so funny and light and um and has this fabulous sincerity uh, in her writing you know like there are just some authors that you can actually like see them like across the um you know across the story like right? it's their hearts in that story and I think that um, she writes like that where there's this lovely sincerity where she's really found her voice and the story she wants to tell so it's Take the Lead is lovely it's set on uh, the set of Dancing with the Stars I don't know if she calls it that in here but she is a pro um, and uh, she's Puerto Rican and she's uh, the pro and he is uh, he's an alaskan survivalist
0: (laughs) as you do
1: do right and his family is one of those uh reality tv uh living in alaska surviving you know by their wits kind of um reality shows and he is this dark brooding of course, has tons of secrets doesn't really want to be doing that and then here he is dancing on the show (laughs) and and she can't they you know she doesn't want to be the stereotypical uh latina dancer who gets involved with everyone she dances, of course with and so you know she does go there a little bit and um and it's really very very well written again uh a nice guy hero uh just really really decent and hot <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's fabulous and it's very well written and um i i really enjoyed it i have the arc for the next one haven't read it yet but um but again, it was one of those things. This had better be Natasha's story, kind of thing. So it was. Uh, <laughs> so loved that, loved her. I'm really looking for, um, you know, forward to what she does. And there was another, um, also Puerto Rican heroine, and um, I think it was called her perfect partner. Yes, uh, and that's Priscilla uh, Oliveras, and that is also really lovely. A little bit more. Um, family, um, family man, um, you know, and she and her sisters and her parents kind of thing. So a little more women's fictiony and sweet, but really well written and very, very nice too. Nice. Yeah, and I could go on, as (laughs) as I said, but I have to mention Nalini Singh's uh, Silver Silence, because I was hoping she's not done with the changelings, and I absolutely love the bears. So, you you know, I don't say that in... In terms of sports, but I say that in terms of names. <laughs> <insane. laughs> so, Not that I have anything against it,
0: but. No, of course. If you are curious about Silver Silence and you haven't read the rest of the series, I've read some of it. So for a reader who's never read the series, do you think you could enter at Silver Silence and know what's going on?
1: Oh, I. Uh... You know, I'm so deeply entrenched in that series, but I think you could. I yes. think you could. Um, in fact, um, yeah, I mean, I totally think you could um, because, yeah, yeah, I'm trying to think of a single reason. It's not, you know, the whole, the war, the post-war almost, right? I mean, post-silence um, falling and everything. So uh, she she does a pretty good job of explaining where we're at in the story. And there, there are characters who show up who are from, you know, the previous book. But there's so many characters in those books that you kind of, you know, you you learn to go with not knowing exactly who someone is, and then she brings you back into it. Yes. So I totally think you could, uh, you you know, you could read start there absolutely. And he again is a you know great nice guy alpha.
0: <laughs> so oh. you as you can see, you sense. Uh, a yeah, there's a theme. Yeah. There's a theme here. Yep, yeah, I see that. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to make sure to mention? I have plenty of audio to craft an excellent podcast. Thank you so much. Um, this is fabulous. Um, let me
1: see. Since we were talking about marketing, I'm going to talk about a couple of things that I've been doing that I hope uh, you know the listeners might be interested in. Please and one do. Of the things- Thank you, Sarah. And one of the things is uh that um I do this the uh this um virtual signing series, so they're basically interviews with other romance authors um where you can you have you watch them live and of course, I put them up on YouTube after you watch them live and as you're watching, you can send in questions and you can buy signed books and oh cool we've um. Yeah, we've had, I think we just shot our eighth episode. And uh, we've had Julia Quinn, Beverly Jenkins. uh, We just had uh, Molly Cox Bryan. Uh, The next person on is Sally Kilpatrick. And then Kristen Higgins is on in January. And if you follow me on social media, you'll know what's coming up. And all of the past episodes are on my website. So there's that we're doing. And, of course, we try to kind of, you know, talk about... um, Everything we love about romance, but also all of you know all of the agency and um you know the the feminist issues that we handle and there we try to kind of get into the um smarter aspects of romance I think that um that get overlooked, but we also have a lot of fun and talk a lot about you know doing the nasty <laughs> and all of that that's very <laughs> so, so cool. it's a lot of fun i i personally have a lot of fun doing them i match my clothes to the book covers and so we do we have a lot of you know fun uh there there's that and um and and then um you know being somebody who writes i think you know somewhat hard, but also these stories that are um you know that kind of push uh, push into the mm, i hate the term women's fiction but you know I like to say mainstream fiction but that push into the women's fiction side we have a group of 11 authors like that who have a Facebook group called uh, F- fiction from the heart um and we all kind of we do really don't do any of the marketing pushing of our books but we really just talk about ourselves and other books mm-hmm. and kind of loving reading and things like that so and that's a great bunch of ladies I mean I think Barbara Samuel uh, Falguni kothari um. Oh, gosh. K.M. Um, Jackson. Um, and I could go through all. I should go through all 11, but I'm going to bleep out Virginia Cantra, uh, Hope Ramsey, Priscilla Olivares, Um. Whom did I miss? Liz Talley. And uh, gosh, and if you go on there, you'll see the rest. But since I m- mentioned Falguni, I have to also go back and say her book uh, comes out in January and uh, it's called My Last Love Story and it is absolutely fabulous really it's it's this yes uh it is uh, it's it's the strangest almost polyamorous story which is kind of weird because it's uh I, it's not even really a love triangle it's basically um a, a story of these three friends who were friends back in india it's set here again in california um and uh, it's these three friends who had this amazing connection, two boys and a girl. And uh, both the guys were in love with her, but she dated one of them. But their, their, their bond is really strong ac- across all three of them. And her husband is dying of cancer. Oh. And their third best friend is in to help them. And it's how that whole, you know, three-way love dynamic um,
0: Whoa. shakes
1: Beautiful, And it comes out, I think, January 26th.
0: And it's definitely a must read. And that brings me to the end of this episode. Thank you to Sonali Dev for hanging out with me and talking about your book and your cover and what you're reading. If you are looking for links to any of the books that we mentioned during this episode or links to the other uh, things that she talked about, they are in the podcast entry at com slash podcast. This episode is brought to you by Christmas With My Cowboy by Diana Palmer, Lindsay McKenna, and Margaret Way, and I get to say the following sentence my entire day is made. Are you guys ready? Get your jingle boots on with this sexy and heartwarming Christmas anthology from best selling authors Diana Palmer, Lindsay McKenna, and Margaret Way featuring three irresistible cowboys in Christmas With My Cowboy. Jingle boots! (sighs) Seriously, day made. From the snowy, wind-whipped prairie to the remote Australian outback, a cowboy's loving kiss makes this Christmas merry and bright. The warmth and joy of Christmas will be combined in these stories with vibrant ranch settings and alpha heroes being tamed by a plucky, adventurous heroine. Tis the season for romance with Christmas with my cowboy. Available everywhere books are sold and at kensingtonbooks.com. I now need jingle boots. There is no question I need jingle boots. Now. As I mentioned in the beginning, but I'm gonna repeat again. Yay, Patreon has changed their decision. They had announced they were going to be passing the transaction fees from the creators, that would be me, On to the people making the pledges, which would be you, which was a terrible idea because if you were a person who pledged dollar or $3, all of a sudden your pledge was going up 30% and even more if you were making international transactions. So I know that a number of you canceled your pledges and I want you to know I completely understand and I am sorry about their decision and I am completely on your side and I empathize entirely with your position. However, Please know Patreon has heard you and heard me and heard everyone else that was like, dude, what are you doing? And they're not rolling out the fee structure changes. I have a link to their post about it where they say we're sorry and we messed up, which, you know, is kind of rare. It's for a company to be like, yeah, 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 we 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 made a mistake. Mm. As Courtney Milan pointed out, it would always be good to have a public comment time period when you are providing what she calls a public-facing service. That probably might have uh, might have avoided this problem. But either way, I am so relieved that Patreon is not going to change the fee structure. I should pay the fees, and that is how it seems to be looking for the foreseeable future. Thank goodness. However, many people did contact me to ask me to pursue alternate ways of for supporting the show, so I am researching that into the new year, and when I have information, I will share all the details. In the meantime, thank you very much very much for everything that you do to support the show that includes pledges on patreon telling your friends subscribing leaving reviews with whatever podcast app or program or service you use to listen the fact that you hang out with me every week is an enormous honor so thank you The music you are listening to is provided by Sassy Outwater. Yes, this is Deviations Project. Yes, this is a Dusty Fiddles. And I'm sure you identified this song. This is Favorite Things. You can find this album at Amazon, and I will have links to it in the podcast entry at say it with me, com slash podcast. Now, as always, I end the show with a terrible joke, and um, I'm very excited about this joke because we are in the middle of Hanukkah. So if you are celebrating Chag Sameach, Happy Hanukkah, I hope that this year and every year is bright and warm and that all of us have miracles. So are you ready for your terrible joke? This is through my husband who saw this tweeted by Josh Molina. What do you call a half-eaten piece of guilt? Give up? what do you call a half eaten piece of guilt? Bitcoin. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so bad. Ah, Thank you, Josh Molina. And thank you, Adam. And thank you to you for hanging out with me each week. I wish you the very, very best of reading. Have a wonderful weekend. Happy Hanukkah and happy holidays. I will see you here next week.